If you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and, and uh, get that out and go to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22. I welcome also those who are new to the Bible and you don't know what Proverbs is. That is totally okay. There is room to learn and grow wherever you are right now. We're glad you are here today. I've been teaching a series called Rich in God. Quick heads up, this will be the sixth part of this series. So every part is connected to the previous one. So there is a context to everything I'm saying today. If anything seems extreme, that's to get the point across. All right, but there is balance in all this. In fact, that's one of the things we've been desiring from the beginning because we recognize in the Word of God concerning riches, concerning wealth, material wealth, there are both promises, there are how-tos, and warnings against the dangers of it. So we're, we're looking at both, of, uh, both sides of this. But riches and wealth are blessings from God. They really are. You can't read the Bible and come away with another idea. Uh, at the same time, greed and covetousness are evil, and they lead to sorrow. So we want to stay out of that ditch. Uh, living in the blessings of God mean, it does mean that you have extra in life that you're not barely making it. You're not just getting by, but you do have extra to live. What you need and then surplus. That's a God concept. Extra, surplus, abundance, running over. That, that, that is a God thing. This is uh, kind of in contrast to the account of Israel coming from Egypt and on their way to the promised land. If you're familiar with the story in the book of Exodus, God uh, gave them what was called the promised land, and it was referred to as a land flowing with milk and honey, right? What, what it was was a land of abundance and plenty, right? Uh, prior to that, of course, their slavery, and then their journey during their journey to the promised land, they lived day to day, all right? God provided them manna from heaven. They couldn't even collect an extra snack for the, for the next day. They used today's portion, and then they were done, done, gone, and then they'd refresh tomorrow, all right? That was day-to-day -day living. That wasn't God's ideal for them. It was intended to be very, very temporary, in fact, many scholars will say that journey should have taken them about two weeks to get everybody moved into the promised land. Of course, through their, their disobedience and unbelief, it ended up taking 40 years. So, little bummer there. Uh, nevertheless, their living day to day was not intended to be any kind of permanent plan that God gave them. When someone says today, well, the Lord has me in the wilderness, just like he did Israel. Well, one, I'm not sure that's scriptural, but two, if you are there, good news, a couple weeks, you'll be out <laughs> unless you're rebellious, <laughs> then you can just set up shop. Uh, but I'm telling you, it's not the will of God. He wants you to be, to have more in life, to live in plenty and abundance. That would be his will 
for you. And so come on up and come on out and understand that that true prosperity does not simply equate to wealth either. It is not limited to, uh, to your possessions. If you have many possessions, yet they consume your thoughts, they consume your time, everything is built around them, I would not really call you prosperous. Not with my biblical understanding, not in the big picture. I would say, well, you're successful financially, but there's more to life than that. And someone can have a lot of possessions and be quite miserable. Uh, We don't want people to be in bondage in any way. The Lord doesn't want you to be in bondage to money with with a lot of it or without any of it. Yeah. And, And so we want to keep him in the right place in our lives. Proverbs 22. Did you find that? Proverbs 22 verse 7 reads, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, now, knowing that that's the case, that that's just the way things are, does the Lord want his people to be ruled or to rule over? Does he want his people, if you've given your life to him, does he want you to, be, uh, to have influence in this world, to, to have uh, rulership, or does he want you to just be controlled or, and dominated by those with the money? I think people with a heart for God, those who want to serve him, I think the planet is better off if you're in charge. It's better off when people have the love of God in their hearts, they're generous people, they're kind and loving, if they would have some power. Well, how does that work? Well, it says here, the rich are the ones who rule. Now watch, the latter part of this, the borrower is servant to the the lender. If you are going to be rulers and not ruled over, you're going to have to be the, borrow, the, the, the lenders instead of the borrowers. And if you're going to be a lender instead of a borrower, you're going to have to have something extra. If I have $100 and I need $100 to live, I don't have any lending power, right? In other words, the verse speaks of plenty or abundance. It speaks of those things again, just by describing who's in charge in this world, the borrowers or the lenders. All right. Another verse that goes with this is uh, Deuteronomy 28, 12. And it reads, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Okay, again, this gives us a description of the blessing of God, not so much a command. I know it's, it uses that, that language, you shall not borrow. That's not the same as thou shalt not murder. Right When he says here, you shall not borrow, what he's saying is, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be in that position. You're going to be in the position of having rather than needing to, to borrow and, and have from somebody else. And so borrowing is not in and of itself a sin. Everybody with me? Okay. If that were true, then, then God blessing you to put you in a position of lending you know, in other words, you have surplus, then he would be empowering you to cause somebody else to sin. 
because you cannot borrow without someone lending. The lender causes the borrower, if you will. All right. So if borrowing is inherently sin, then, uh, and you're going to be a lender, then you're causing people to sin. So it's not, it's not that he's saying the borrowing is, is sin. Um, it's just not ideal. It's not the best place to be in. It's like last week I was uh, sharing with you about laying aside funds for vehicles, um, vacations, that type of stuff. The storehouse principle, let God bless what you store up. Uh, I'm not saying that if you make payments on a car or you borrow to buy a car that you're in sin for doing that or somehow you're, you're making the wrong decision. There are times, honestly, without going too far in this, sometimes it's the right people, it's the right decision in the moment. It's the right thing to do at the time. What I'm trying to do is say, get a vision for something better. Let yourself begin to see something more than just always having to rely on somebody else. Maybe God can put you in that position. And I say, maybe he definitely has the power, right? And so if we'll start thinking like he wants us to think, we'll shift from always being reliant upon the world and sometimes people who do not have our best interest at heart and don't care about the things of God, right? And we're reliant on all of their stuff uh, in, in, in order to make it. But again, I'm not saying that, that borrowing is a sin. The Lord is promising something here better. Uh, I, uh, one person, you know, you could say, if, well, if I borrow money for uh, a car, it's how are they, how am I servant to them? How am I a slave to the lender? Because we have a contract. They have to abide by the contract. I get that. I totally agree. The only time you'd really be in a position where they rule over you is if you come up short. If financial circumstances change in your life, then you'll find out who's the boss of your car or your home for that matter. Why? Because the terms of the contract say they get it back if you don't make your payments on time, right? So that's why this is a better position to be in and why the Lord wants to give us a, a, a bigger vision. You know, when we talk about uh, welfare, all right, I think it's a little bit of an irony or a, a contrast. Uh, how do I say this? They don't go together. Now, hear me out before you throw stones at me when I say this. Christian and welfare should not go together. <laughs> Those who are on welfare are not faring well. And God definitely wants his people to fare well. Not like farewell, but to do well in life. But when someone is in that system, they're not doing it because they're so abundantly blessed. They're doing it because they're falling behind. Yeah? I'm not saying if that's you, you should cut that off and get kicked out of your home. <laughs> I'm saying get a vision for something better. Let God begin to speak to you so you can stand up and say, the Lord is my source. The Lord is my supply. I used to be dependent on the government. I used to rely on these things, but God has led me down a different path and he has provided for me. And I can boldly say he provides my need and he'll supply yours too. See, you have a better testimony 
If you don't have it yet, doesn't mean you don't have any testimony. I'm just saying you have a better testimony when you can say the Lord provides for me financially and he has raised up, raised us up to not be subject to other people. Everybody okay? All right. I want you to turn to another place, Ecclesiastes, just one, one book over, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. How many can spell Ecclesiastes without looking? Oh, one, I got one there, okay. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter five, notice with me in verse 18. Uh, Here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his heritage. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it. Everybody say power. Power. To eat of it. To receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. All right. I want you to notice that God gives, this is a gift. He gives the riches and wealth and the power to use it, okay? Listen to this, verse 19, amplified. Uh, Also, every man to whom God has given riches and possessions and the power to enjoy them. This is where we get a little deeper into the heart of God and what his blessing is supposed to do for us. It is not just about obtaining things. It is the ability to enjoy them. There are many, many people who have acquired many possessions and sometimes great wealth, but they're not happy. And they're not even enjoying. Sometimes they're in great fear of losing it. They have other issues, but they're not enjoying it. And this is something we we should desire, not just to have stuff, but to be able to enjoy it. That's the blessing of God. And it might be a way that we can discern what things, material things, are of God. Is this a blessing or is it something else? Well, how can I tell? Are you enjoying it? Or is it a burden to you? Do you enjoy it? Uh, Does it pull you away from God? Does this supposed blessing keep you out of church, away from your family? Does it uh, uh, keep your time with God down to a minimum or wash it away? Oh, the Lord blessed me with with a new... Uh, a new ski boat, and now, and now I never pray anymore. <laughs> right? See, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning. I'm saying I don't know if that was really a blessing from God. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know the Lord didn't want you to get further away from Him by using it. If you can use it and and and, and maintain and, and even increase your relationship with God, I'm going to say all to it. More power to you. But some things. They're just, uh, they're not doing it by themselves if they are pulling away from other stuff. You know, you could say the new boat or the, a mountain cabin or a new job with 
you know, better money or perks, or, or uh, it could be, you know, a new set of golf clubs. The Lord gave me these new golf clubs. And, uh, and, and now you're never in church or now your family never sees you or see, I'm not going to measure something all by itself and call it a blessing. Uh, you know, a, a, a friend of mine was an, an avid fisherman and he would, uh, you know, enjoyed it. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying that. And he had the equipment and he would go out fishing regularly until one point in his life, he got fishing on the brain and he had a good relationship with God, but he became consumed with fishing. And so every opportunity, which was all the time, <laughs> he would, he would be out there at the lake or the ocean and whatever, wherever he was fishing. And he's constantly fishing, 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 fishing until he had to deal with that and actually set it aside from his life because it became too important. So what's wrong with fishing? The Lord's disciples were fishermen. Nothing wrong with fishing. Nothing wrong with boating or the cabin or the yacht or the island if you have one. <laughs> it's not about the thing. That's, that's the wrong mentality. It is about uh, the power to have it and the power to enjoy it is what we should be after. And that's to do things right and in God. What does the Lord give us? The power to enjoy things. Listen to this other verse. This is from the New Testament. Paul wrote to Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present age to get rid of their riches. Is that what it says? You guys are supposed to respond to me a little bit. Like, if I, it shows me that you're listening. If I say something apparently wrong, you can say, oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No, he didn't say command people to get rid of their riches, those evil things, those evil riches. No, but he had a word for them. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to be haughty, not to be high-minded, nor to trust in uncertain riches. And it's using strong language here. He said, command them. You watch it, man. You watch it. You watch it. You watch out. Don't you get all haughty. Don't you get all high-minded. Don't you start putting your trust in riches. This is, these, the Lord gave you the ability to get this stuff. Keep it in its right place. Who? But trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Again, the Lord wants us to enjoy things. He wants us to enjoy nice stuff. He's not opposed to the fishing rod or the motorcycle, or whatever. You just have to keep things in the right place, a proper perspective. You know, uh, I was thinking about why God wants to bless us financially. It's obvious from Scripture. You have, to, you have to totally ignore many, many pages of the Bible if you don't think that's true. Why does He want to bless us financially? Well, first of all, if you're a parent, why do you want to bless your kids? I think the very nature of it, the heart of it, doesn't start with what you want them to do for you. The heart of it is, I love you. I want you to have nice stuff. I want you to enjoy life. I want you to have opportunities and, and, and so forth. The heart of a parent is to give their, their children good stuff. 
If we're that way towards our kids, how much more is our Father in heaven that way towards us? Say, well, the main reason, no, I think the very starting point is just the love of God towards us. He doesn't want you to do without. He doesn't want you to barely make it and scrape through life. He wants to bless us. He wants us to enjoy things. But then after that, why does God want to bless you with with, uh, material things? He wants you to be a blessing. It is for the purpose of being a blessing. In fact, Jesus said, it's recorded in Acts 20, that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The Lord also wants you to enjoy the life of being a giver, being a one who blesses. And then I could say this for certain, God wants to bless us for the purpose of financing the gospel. What does it matter if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul or someone else loses their own soul, right? Uh, one of the big reasons why God wants to, wants to bring money through into your hands is to bring them through your hands. One of the big reasons he wants to bless us financially is so when his kingdom work needs done, and it does now all around the world, that we have the resources to do it. I mean, think about it logically, it doesn't make any sense. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And it takes money to travel, it takes money to be on the airwaves, it takes money to have buildings, to do all this kind of stuff, but I'm gonna keep you dirt poor. But go into all the world and preach the gospel. Oh, Lord, I can't even buy a plane ticket. I don't have gas for my car, how can I go anywhere? You see, that's not logical. And one of the reasons he wants to bless you is so the gospel is unhindered in its flow around the world. The gospel message is free, but the pipe isn't, right? And so that's God's side. Now, when we think about us, why should we want to be blessed financially? I assume you do. If you don't, giddy up. (laughs) Someone said, well, I don't need anything. I'm fine. Well, I know. Be a giver then. Don't just think about yourself. We're not just being selfish here. You should want to be blessed so you can be used. So, but why do we want to be blessed I think, first of all, it's not the same order. It's not just so I can enjoy stuff. I think that needs to be down the list. Our motive should be to be a blessing. I want to be a blessing. I want to do the will of God. I want to, I want to spread the gospel. And after those, those components, then, yeah, and I'd like to enjoy things too. I'd like to enjoy some things in life. And, and in its proper order, God is totally for you. And those things can, can totally be right and and the way they, that God intended them to be. In fact, uh, with this mentality, you see some statements in Scripture that are kind of shocking a little bit, like what Paul wrote to the Ephesians, and he told them, he said, first of all, stop stealing. <laughs> Apparently, you can get saved and still be a thief. And he told them, he said, now, look, work with your own hands. He said, get a job. He said, work. You know what he said after that? Let me tell you what he didn't say. He didn't say, get a job or work so that you can pay your bills. He said, work so you'll have something to give to those without. We think work for a living. He says, work for a giving. And your giving provides your living. See, this is when we adopt the mentality of God and we recognize what I give becomes a seed that produces a harvest, that produces a return for me. And my, all my efforts and all my labor is not just to sustain my own life. All my efforts and all my labor is to make me like my father 
who gives. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And we turn into givers, and then that lifestyle of giving and generosity becomes a conduit for God's blessings to flow into our lives. Amen. Maybe that needs some more meditation. Uh, I want to, let me, let me finish with this thought today. Success in life is not solely based, I'm talking material financial success, is not solely based on natural factors, not solely based on my job, my education, where I live, all those types of things. There are spiritual influences that are at work behind the scenes, okay? Most of us know that concerning other things. I mean, we know salvation and forgiveness of sins is not like a material thing that I possess. When I received eternal life, you know, I didn't grab it with my hands. It's spiritual in nature, it's intangible, yeah? It's not only forgiveness and, and love and, and, and those type of things that are, that are operative causing real life change. I mean, the, the life change is obvious, that something invisible changed something physical, right? This also is true concerning finances. It's true concerning our success in life. Um, so what, what are you talking about? I'm talking about what the Word of God refers to as blessings and curses. These things are very, very real, and they influence people's lives on a daily basis. They are operating in a blessing or they are operating in a curse, okay? And when we say curse, I'm not just talking, talking about witchcraft and uh, say, that's weird, curses, what are you, what are you talking about? I'm talking about something that, that, that God described for us in the Word of God. Because of that, because of His description, we can have clarity. We can have discernment. We do not have to be confused as to what's a blessing and what's a curse. See, religion has stepped in in many situations to confuse the issue, made it all muddy and blurry, and people refer to curses as blessings. And they say, oh, well, this is a blessing in disguise. You no, know, sweetheart, that's a curse not in disguise. Your curse isn't even wearing a mask. <laughs> You're, that's just really a curse working in your life. Now, to what end do, do we want to know this? Not to make somebody feel bad, but for them to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not a blessing from God, yet it is functioning in my life. Now we're going to, now we're going to deal with it. Now we can deal with it knowing God is on our side, knowing he's for us and going to help us. Yeah. See, we need to know what is. Not a mass confusion uh, about what's from God, what's not, what's a blessing, what's a curse. One of the main places that you can uh, get this cleared up is in the book of Deuteronomy and chapter 28. We read a couple verses earlier. Uh, in that, it lists blessings and curses. Yes, it wasn't written directly to us because we're in a new covenant, but it was written for us, for our understanding and our benefit. And one of the things you'll see in, listed in the curses, and you don't want to spend all day reading it because they're not edifying. 
because the curses are pretty graphic. A lot of it is, is nasty disease. Sickness and disease is a curse, period. It's never a blessing from God. Well, the Lord, no, stop it with the Lord. If you're his child, he doesn't want you cursed. And you'll see that again and again. But one of the other elements you'll see continually in the description of curses is poverty. Poverty on many different levels. One of the ways it manifests is this, is you put a lot of effort into something. You work hard, but it does not produce good results. That's how a curse works. It's not that you do nothing. It's that you do something and it fizzles. Let me just give you a brief example. Uh, it's Deuteronomy 28, 38, and 39. You shall carry much seed out to the field, but gather little in, for the locusts shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and tend them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. This is one example of how the curse works. You're operating in the curse when you can never get ahead. You're working hard, you're working hard, you're working hard. You're sweating, you're laboring, you're being diligent to do something, yet it's not producing. Yet it's not working. Someone down the street, they look like they're doing the same thing. They put the same seed in the ground. There's germinates and grows a nice healthy plant and produces nice fruit. And you've got this little tiny raisin that came off of yours. You're working hard, but it's obvious what's going on. That's a blessing. That's a curse. And I think if we, if we start to call things what they are, then we can start solving it or answering it in a different way. If the origin of a blessing or curse is spiritual in nature, then I need to use spiritual principles, spiritual power, faith in God to reverse the curse. In Deuteronomy, of course, they were operating under the law of Moses, and their instructions were, if you obey, and if you do everything that I've commanded you, you'll be blessed. Blessed going in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in it, blessed, 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 everywhere you turn. He said, but if you don't, watch out, because the curse is going to bite you on the rear end. And it, not exactly say it that way, but... It will affect everything in your life, the curse, okay? Now, that presented a real challenge for them because there's no way they could perfectly obey that law, and so they had to make sacrifices on a regular basis to cover their, all their mistakes, just to get any, any degree of blessing from God to function in their lives. But that's not how it works for us because now we've come into a new covenant established upon better promises, and Jesus on the cross became a curse for us. He bore all the curse. Jesus fulfilled the law completely and perfectly on our behalf. And now we get to live in the blessing as if we were sinless. 
Now, the blessing and curse is not contingent upon our perfect adherence to God's laws. Thank God it's not. But it is based on our acceptance and faith in the finished work of Jesus for us. Hallelujah. You know what that means? Is that in Christ, we all qualify now for the blessing list. And when we can identify that something from the curse list is functioning in our lives, in our businesses, in our gardens, <laughs> in, in our investments, in, in what, we, what we're putting our hand to, man, that's like the curse working in me. Now it's time to stand up. Now it's time to know who you are in Christ and what Jesus has done for you. And we just start by having faith for finances. We declare that because of Jesus, we are the blessed and not the cursed. We rise up with spiritual power and say, what has been eating my tomatoes <laughs> is going to stop in Jesus' name. I am, I am hereby declaring that Satan, the one who has come to steal, kill, and destroy, is being stopped in his activities against me, my business, my job, my finances, my life, in Jesus' name. See, if you're a child of God, you have the right to do that because God himself has declared that you are blessed. Now, God's declaration over you, it might not be operative. A curse could still be coming against you. That's why there is a thief who's come to trick us, to lie to us, to, to, to get us to call curses blessings. Why? So we embrace them. We just say, oh, well, someday I'll get out of this. And maybe when I get to heaven and just to embrace the curse list. I tell you, Jesus didn't die for nothing. He died for you and, and me so we could be free and we could operate in the blessings of God continually. Amen. Now watch, I, I know I'm saying a lot in a brief ending here. When the blessings of God are operational in your lives, you'll find opportunities start open up, opening up to you. Opportunities from the Lord. Uh, the ability to enjoy life comes back. When the blessing of God is functioning, you'll even have wisdom to do things. You'll have wisdom in whatever you put your hand to. Uh, business people, you know, working for someone else. You'll have wisdom to, do, to, uh, to, to make right decisions. Whereas before, you were kind of blinded. It's not working. I don't get it. I don't understand why. But then the blessing of God manifests in your life and say, oh, well, I see what I'm doing wrong here now. I can't believe I didn't see that before. I know it was really spiritual in nature. You were blinded. The curse was functioning. I'm just telling you, the curse has no right to function in the life of the believer. Amen. It is illegal. It'll still happen if you let it because things are not all enforced by God. In heaven, that'll be the case. There'll be no, no, no need for you to resist. In this life, we have to learn how to resist the devil. We have to learn to recognize and say, blessing, curse, blessing, curse. I believe this. I'm trusting God. I, I have faith for what he's doing. And this, I'm saying absolutely not. I'm not going to allow it to exist anymore. I, I'm not going to permit that to dominate my life any longer. Amen? And so this is where we recognize and we have the advantage of seeing things the natural world the way it is, and applying spiritual power to it, applying spiritual grace, which is sufficient to put us all over the top. Amen. Amen. 
I tell you again, the blessing of God that works towards us is not I'm blessed doing nothing. He blesses what we put our hands to. So he always is wanting us to be engaged in this physical world, but with a turbocharge, with a spiritual booster that will cause you to go beyond what the natural uh, world would allow you to do. Amen. Everybody, what, you're getting kind of quiet on me, is it? What, do I need to say something shout-worthy? <laughs> Praise God. Say it with me. Say, I believe, I believe. In, the in the blessing of God because of Jesus, because of what, he what he did for me. I can walk in the blessing, in the blessing. and not be, not be cursed in the earth. In the earth. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I, have I have faith in you. I put my life in your hands. I trust you to work out your will, to work out your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you now for working in the lives of every person here.